Oh, my computer crashed. Oh no, I've got a virus. Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday. 647-977-7113. ITMayday.com. Hi, this is Linda Pinizzato speaking to you from the Hayes FM studio, and this show is called The Condo Expert. I'd like to recap on the last few weeks of information. I know we've been receiving emails and telephone calls left and right, condo owners across the province, just because they're concerned, and they really want to know whether or not this Condo Act review is going to provide the positive approach of changes that are so needed in order to protect their rights. The interesting thing, along with the phone calls and the emails, we're actually getting a series of questions. And today I thought I would address some of the questions because these are immediate concerns coming from, I guess you can say, the horse's mouth. So one of the comments uh, that we did end up receiving was a person actually out in Whitby. And what they've written was, is that for the past 13 years, they absolutely love living in their condo corporation, but they have noticed that their fees have been constantly increasing and they don't know if their fees are reflecting any degree of some kind of a a rate in general or what the status of the information regarding the fees. They started wondering whether or not it was based on their square footage because they have a larger unit. They thought maybe that was the reasoning behind it. So basically what they wanted to do was try to compare their building with other buildings. Well, unfortunately, all of the fees relating to condominiums are building specific. So you really can't be comparing your fees with any other building, whether you're in in your immediate neighborhood or outside of your area, because everyone's operating budget is different. And of course, your board of directors are different. So depending on what the financial status of the building is, That's how your fees are being determined. It also reflects decisions of the board. So depending on what's happened in, you know, every single condominium building, there is nothing really that's going to, uh, you know, be a common denominator between the buildings other than, you know, possibly the way that the calculation went down in the first place, which would have been price per square foot as far as where the uh, maintenance fees are. But moving forward over the years where they are today is definitely just specific to your building. As far as not understanding the answers and, you know, not having any information as to why they've been increasing, that part I have trouble understanding. There is an annual general meeting for every single condo building, and you as an owner really need to go to this annual general meeting. And at that time, there will be an auditor And the auditor will actually give you a breakdown of where the expenditures have been. And those expenditures will reflect what the increases are going to be on your maintenance fees. So there's really not any reason why any person that owns a condominium would really be in a position where they say that they don't understand why they're, you know, what's going on with their fees, because they do have an opportunity to obtain answers, but that opportunity is only available to them if they go to the annual general meeting. So point of information, when you do receive the package in the mail and you're being notified about an AGM, make sure you mark your calendar 
make sure you go through the financial statements. Make sure you highlight any areas of concern. And make sure that you bring those concerns to the attention of the auditor and expect an answer. Not request an answer, expect an answer. And while you're at it, you may want to ask the auditor exactly what the percent of increase is. Now, normally when a budget is prepared, every condo owner should be receiving notification in the mail that explains exactly how much every unit has gone up, like your particular unit has gone up and what your new maintenance fee amount is going to be. But if you really want to understand how that amount was determined, the only way to do that would have been through the annual general meeting. So that is a great way to start, and uh, that's certainly the direction that all condominium owners should go into if they're concerned about increasing maintenance fees. We received another question as well. Apparently, there was a meeting of board of directors, and it was an open meeting for owners. And what had happened was this individual had put their hand up and asked for the right to speak. Unfortunately, the board of directors decided to decline the request and turned it into an information only. In other words, not opening up the room for discussion. There was also individuals who may have been representing other persons. The other persons, the individuals, these individuals were actually asked to leave the meeting. Now, unfortunately, the people that were representing owners that could not attend did not have anything in writing. Basically, they just attended the meeting saying that they were asked by, you know, John Smith in Unit 506, asked them to come and speak on their behalf. Does the board have the right to ask these people to leave? The answer would be yes. There's no confirmation whatsoever allowing that individual person who is not a registered owner in the corporation to attend a private board of directors meeting. Whether it be for information purposes, it is exclusive to the owners involved in the corporation to include the board of directors. Now, the board of directors don't necessarily have to be owners. According to the Condo Act, you do not have to be an owner. You have to be over 18, and you have to be of sane mind to be on a board of directors for a condominium corporation. But you do not have to own a condo, nor do you have to own in that particular building. So you can just be a member of the general public. There is no There isn't even anything as far as being a Canadian citizen, to be quite honest with you. So there is very little restrictions on the ability, the eligibility of becoming a director, a board of director member for a condo corporation. However, having said that, a condo board of directors is an elected position. So by majority vote, this board has been elected to represent the fiduciary duties of the corporation. So that does give them the right to ask somebody to leave if, in fact, that person has no proof upon the request for them to be at the meeting. So if you as an owner have decided that you want someone there speaking on your behalf, you better provide them with something in writing to give them the authority to be present. Now, that would be almost to some degree a power of attorney. Now, the only problem with that is, does that guarantee No, unfortunately it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't, because at the end of the day, it's the board of directors that are calling the meeting, holding the meeting. And yes, they could very well turn around and refuse to accept 
that paperwork and still ask that individual to leave. Now, in a board of directors an annual general meeting, the situation is somewhat different because there are proxies. And you as an owner has the right to provide a proxy written in another person's name who you've requested for that person to represent you at the annual general meeting. So if it is by proxy and it's relating to an annual general meeting, yes, you as a condo owner, if you're not able to make that meeting, by all means, step forward, use the proxy guidelines, and try and make sure that you've got someone going there to represent you. The only time that I have a real problem with proxies is when owners turn them over for voting purposes. And I think that that's a huge mistake. It's been proven time and time again that there's a lot of forgery and proxies happening. So it really is in the best interest of any condo owner out there not to submit a proxy to property management and or your board of directors. If you really do want to go the proxy route, find a friend, a relative, maybe a coworker, someone who can literally go into the meeting with the proxy and be the designated representative of your unit. So that is extremely important. And I really honestly want to make sure that uh, I get the word out on that one. We received another one with respect to upgrades and approval for upgrades. A lot of times, you know, people will go out and they'll turn around and do something to their unit. They'll make a change, whether that means to remove broadloom, whether that means to install laminate flooring, whether it means just to remove an old toilet and go energy efficient and buy a nice, bright, sparkling, brand new toilet with all the energy efficiency features of double flush and so on. The problem is, is you cannot just make changes just because you want to. We received a numerous amount of emails from individuals who were very concerned because they felt that it was their unit and they didn't understand what the reasonings were that they would have to then ask for the board of directors approval before they could make some changes. And and some of these changes aren't major changes. They're, you know, they're actually just minor changes. Now, if you're talking about just ordinary painting, that's not a problem. But when you're talking about any type of uh, replacements of some sorts, then you really seriously need to go back to the board and arrange for approval. If you run into a situation where you have replaced the toilet and you did not get the board of directors approval, you may have contracted a company and they've come in and they've just done a minor replacement. Well, the problem is, is that if it wasn't done properly and say you have a leak down the road and it ends up affecting the people below you, there's going to be a question as to where the liability falls simply because was your installation done improperly? The installation uh, was not on the grounds of approval by the board, so that's already a conflict. Where your own insurance, condominium insurance, would fall into it, I don't know. I really seriously think that there could be a contradictory situation there. I know for sure the condo corporation's insurance will not step in. So you could have a real strong potential of liability issues and responsibility issues down the road if you were to turn around and make these kind of changes without the approval of the board. So it's actually a lot smarter to be safe than sorry. And then the other side of the question as well is that if you make that kind of a change, you cannot put it on your status certificate if you've never notified the board. 
So it's really important to, you know, consider these type of aspects before you turn around and just do whatever you want to do. Because, you know, you do still have to recognize the fact that you are in a condominium corporation and you are not the only owner. We had a situation a few months back where an owner wrote in and said that the pipe below his unit had burst and it caused water damage. And his floors also had some degree of water damage. And he wanted to know whether the responsibility was with him or whether or not the damages would be covered. Again, you know, there's a liability issue going on here. It's really a determination to find out where this all started and and whose responsibility is it. And when you find out the responsibility, of course, then you find out how the payment measures are going to be made. And that's where the problem is. Because you can't really identify that. If you don't stay on top of your board and if you don't keep them aware, you could run into all sorts of issues where it's to some degree a lack of disclosure. So interesting enough, here's another one. This one here was really complicated, as a matter of fact. An individual condo owner, okay, had a case of discrimination against their condominium complex. Their discrimination held back to the employees of the corporation. So it actually involved the superintendent and it involved one board member. And this individual decided that they were going to go back to the human rights and try and work in that direction. The problem that they ran into was is that they could not gain any access to any of the materials of the corporation. And of course, the individuals that created the discrimination against this condo owner basically denied having done anything. Now, this this person here did not have any witnesses, so it really became uh, their word against the superintendent and the condo board of directors. The problem is, is that although we have our human rights and we have, you know, all of these guidelines relating to discrimination and so on, how do you prove it? And, you know, I think that with this person, they did not keep any type of documented accounts. They they should have had something relating to the day when it happened, maybe even some correspondence back to the board of directors. They didn't do anything. They just basically decided that they were going to step forward and submit a claim, but they didn't have enough factual information that would have allowed them to proceed. And at the end of the day, what happened was, is that they were not able to move forward. Uh, the claim was denied and the harassment actually continued afterwards. Now, it becomes very difficult if you're going to have a continued harassment and then go back into the system and try a second time over. It's a lot easier if you could guess, really get your ducks in order at the time that this whole thing is happening and somehow have it documented. Whether that means if you're going to go down and approach property management, bring a witness with you, there's got to be a way that you can actually, you know, Ensure that your, your, your case is going to have enough merit that if you do decide to venture forward, that you're not going to fall into a problem later where it's actually become a bigger problem because that's actually what's happened with this individual. And it's really sad because you would think that, you know, it would actually caution the board to watch the behavior, but it didn't caution them. In fact, it made them a little bit more presumptuous on their power that they had within their building. So, you know, as far as the complaint was concerned, we couldn't really do anything about it. Now, we've had other types of discrimination situations where people feel that the board is against them because they have three cars and they're not allowed to use visitor parking. 
Well, that's not really a discrimination. That's the fact that they have too many cars and they don't own enough spots. And if they really needed a spot for a third car, then they're going to have to go out and rent one. I mean, people have to understand as well that the board of directors have a difficult job. It's not an easy job. And if you are lucky to have a good board, a conscientious board, a respect board of the Condo Act, and they're basically just informing the rules and regulations of the building, individual owners cannot be expecting the board to bend the rules for them because they have three cars instead of two. Because what if five or six or ten people in the complex has three cars? Then you have absolutely no visitors parking. So I think when people are looking at what they believe is discriminating, They have to have it warranted that it's not something that is because they all of a sudden want something that they want the board basically to bend the rules for themselves. Discrimination is very straightforward and there's a lot of different websites out there that can really give you a lot of information as to what is considered in the light of human rights and discrimination and so on. And and falling between that, absolutely move forward and protect your rights. That's what this show is all about. It's about information awareness. On an interesting light, I'm going to step back for a moment. I have to say that, you know, the position that I've taken with respect to even coming forward with this show here at the Hayes FM has been a very strong one just to let consumers know what is available and what circumstances are out there right now. And if you just tell your neighbors and your friends about the show, I think that they will be thanking you left and right because there is no way that you can walk away without learning some very valuable information. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato here at the Condo Expert at the Hayes FM. I will be right back, so you please stay tuned. 